Educators, and welcome to episode three of the Red for Ed podcast. My name is Jay. My name's Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Howdy, Jay. Hey. So, uh, first of all, before we get into a little special announcement, we wanted to give a shout out to the over 800 people that listened again to episode two. I think we have to start getting publicists now, yep. potentially. Advertisers. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to exclusively drive an Uber black car to work now. <laughs> but, no, seriously, thank you so much to everyone that listened to episode two with Nick. Uh, I still think back to that conversation we had with him where he kept preaching the positivity. You know, he, he, he like, pops into my brain all the time now. I'll Ooh, be, like, right, talking Nick. about something, and I'll be like, wait, no, I'm getting a little too negative. Like, Nick would say be more positive. It happens all the time. Yeah, Nick's got that positive spin it down. Does, yeah. Speaking of positivity. Yeah. We have a guest host today. Our friend Kira's on the pod. Kira, say hi to everyone. Hi. And she is positively <laughs> delightful. She is delightful. She's like having such a good time right now. I've never seen someone smile before. So much fun. Never seen someone or just her? <laughs> In general, I've never seen anyone smile the way that she does. Uh, so anyways, Kira, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what you've done so far with the old Red for Ed movement? Um. So with Red for Ed... For like the first couple rallies, when this all started, I was out of town and I was really sad that I couldn't be involved. I was like stalking every possible like protest on social media. So when I got back to Phoenix from being out of town for spring break, um, I saw that like my school didn't have a liaison yet, and so I signed up to be a liaison. And I've been trying to like go to all of the events since then, and then found out the two of you beautiful people were also liaisons. So. So, spoiler alert, Kira also works at Edison with yeah. us. <laughs> Sitting in front of us now are all three Edison liaisons. And spoiler alert, we're all beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so, Kira, one thing I wanted to bring up with you was the fact of communicating with people off of district emails and stuff. And you're re she's really good at that. She's the boss of that. So, what makes a successful liaison in terms of communication? Um, you have to be willing to actually do work like yeah. actually yeah. make some FaceTime with your staff which I feel like at some schools is not really happening which is why it's not as successful like that one-on-one -on -one, face to face communication not just online not just via Facebook via Instagram via text email text you know that face-to-face -face communication is really like key so you have to be willing to walk around and commit to doing that. I would say that's especially true with the ESP and support staff. Yeah. Because not a lot of them feel like their voices are being heard right now. It's, you know, us loudmouth teachers that don't shut up. But it seems like there's a lot of support staff that that wants to be included in all this, too. Right. And I think that they have a hard time finding the time because their hours are different mm -hmm. than our contract yeah. hours. So, yeah, just the one-on-one -on -one communication with them um, is really helpful also. Yeah. Definitely. So, one thing I wanted to look forward to tomorrow yes. is the D-backs game. Absolutely. Uh, it's the Red for Red night. We still didn't get any confirmation as to whether or not it was officially sanctioned by the D-backs. I went to buy tickets last night, and I noticed that um, when you click to buy tickets, it's like a group event. So, I, I don't know how that happens, but Doesn't somebody... Does it say Red for Red or just say a group event? I don't remember. Oh. But huh. I, we will be all sitting in the same section is what I do know, oh, cool. like, since it's a group. Yeah. That's nice. And I did promise you that I would get you the pitching matchup for tonight. Oh, yeah. Let's so hear it. Chris Stratton is pitching for the Giants. Yeah, he's 
decent stats. And then Robbie Ray's pitching for the D-backs. Oh, that'll be a good game. Robbie Ray's the man. Yeah, definitely. Know? Yeah. I know Kira just agrees completely, right? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> she loves baseball. She loves baseball. <laughs> but uh, like we said, if you're going there, enjoy the game. Be an activist. We talked about, you know, one-inning activist, one-inning drinking beer and having a hot dog, you know, Yeah, let's not beat that joke anymore, Jay. <laughs> it's not a joke. I'm being serious. I, I really know, want to watch the game. I mean, honestly, that's the only reason you go to baseball games is for the hot dogs anyways. Me? Or well, like no, people. just people in general. Right. Yeah, especially yeah. me. I love, I mean, yeah. hot dogs are great. That's the only place I'll eat a hot dog. Really? Yeah. Even if there was like a luxury hot dog restaurant. Like, uh, like short leash. Short leash. Bomb. Love short leash. Shouts. Really great hot dogs. I've never but, been to short leash. Oh, you need to go. It's yeah. really good. Maybe they'll sponsor our podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, baseball hot dogs. They're bomb. Great. All right, so let's get into something other than baseball hot dogs. Um, Governor Ducey released his proposal. Yeah, the thought the, on everybody's mind right now. Yeah, myself included, to be honest. No, yeah, absolutely. You know. What's going to fund it? Right, right. The thing that bothers me the most, I personally, is that. It seems like this money's not coming from a well, so it's coming from somewhere, and it's going to affect something. Right. Yeah. That's, that I would love stinks. to know what we might potentially affect. Right. Because, like, yeah. when you yeah. brought up the fed, the veterans, I mean, that could be completely not true. But exactly. Yeah. if it is the veterans' uh, funds or whatever, that's not fair. No, Like, we not shouldn't be taking from them. No. You know, they, Especially, yeah, how much money he's... You can't... Or proposed. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. You, well, you can't, like, underfund one source mm-hmm. just to fund another underfunded source right. a little bit. Like, right. That's the definition of using a Band-Aid. Does it make sense? Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes because I'm concerned that the press is now infiltrating. Not infiltrating. That's not the right word, but has informed the outside public that, hey, we're getting the demands we want. Because I've had friends text me from other parts of the country saying, dude, I can't believe it, you got it. And I was like, well, not really. Yeah, it would be so. awesome if it was a, hey, dude, you got it. But the fact of the matter is we didn't get anything yet. Yeah. It's an idea that the legislature hasn't even accepted yet. Yeah. So, so yeah. Ariel, let's get on with our conversation with Mel. All right, we are back. We are with the man, the myth, the legend, Hollywood Noah himself, and his cat. Well, his girlfriend's cat. So, Noah, what's going on? Not much. Just got back from a, a day of teaching. Just uh, was down at the Capitol for a little bit earlier today. Uh, just continuing to work on Red Fred. Momentum's huge. And it's just, you know, it's constantly going. So, just another day at it. So I know, I don't know about you, Jay, but I know that I'm curious. Like, I've heard a lot about this Noah that's all for Red Fred and has been mm-hmm. doing amazing things for our state. But, like, what about pre-Red Fred Noah? Yeah, pre-Red Fred Noah is, like, hard to even remember right now because it's so busy and we're just, like, in the throes of this thing right now. I'm sure. Um, it's been crazy that it was only six weeks ago, too. Yeah, yeah it's like, it feels like six years we've been doing yeah. this because it's just been, been so busy. But, yeah, before this... I mean, it's still during this. I mean, I, I'm a music teacher first and, first and foremost, and um, one of my huge passions is music. So before this, I would really um, just work on playing guitar a lot, playing songs, hanging out, um, reading about music. And that, that's really my, my passion. It has been for, for several years. So that's, that's one of the core pieces of, of who I really think of myself as in, in terms of identity as a music teacher and a, a musician, just a, a huge fan of music. That's awesome. We gonna catch you anywhere, anywhere cool downtown while 
After no. Red for Red? No. He's going to be at the set at the AEA. <laughs> I used to play out all the time. I had bands and stuff and all through college and high school, but... It's that's like once you start teaching, there's just no time for it. No. Not with the 50-hour work weeks, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, so I'm just curious now that we're here. You said you're a big music guy. So yeah. if you had like a dream festival, who are like the three bands that are headlining Friday, Saturday, Sunday? It depends on my mood because I'm like like such a music nerd that it depends. Like if, if my mood is something, it would, it would change daily. But I would say like right now I would have like – got to have Bob Dylan headlining, I think. Wow, like, yeah. It's not a music festival. If Bob you Dylan don't, like, cool. if I'm dreaming up a music festival, I'm, like, I suck if I don't do Bob Dylan as the headliner. So, <laughs> yeah. Bob Dylan's headlining, that, that's it so far. That's, that's, that's it. That's It's a good start. Yeah, beyond that, I don't even know. Maybe Graham Parsons. Like, I, I love, like, old school country music and the way Graham Parsons took, like, classic country and guitar it's just like amazing to me. So maybe yeah, Graham Parsons opens, Bob Dylan performs as the headline, and then it's done because I really don't like musical fest, music festivals. Right, music fest. <laughs> I don't even know why I said that. Music fest are the worst. We talked about this in the last. last yeah, month. Coachella came up in the last. Coachella month. came up in the last one, and it's just yeah. miserable. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's fun for like when you're there seeing the band that you want to see. Yeah. As everyone's really like, okay, we don't want to listen to you guys talk about music. But, all right, so no, anyways, um, have you been in Arizona for a while, or? This is my second year, so okay. I'm finishing up my second year. I was in Illinois before this. I grew up in um, in Rockford, Illinois, which is kind of like your classic, like, Rust Belt town. We were hit really hard by the recession. Um, so th- those were all really a pivotal kind of transformative moments in my life was growing up in, in rural Illinois during the recession. Okay. So the first, we're going to get red for red on you now. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> my first question is what made you, obviously Joe Thomas tweeted out that day saying, blah, 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 blah. Why should we do this? What made you reply? What made you say, like, what did you say again? I forget. Well, he essentially asked, you know, what, what's the atmosphere like on, on campuses right now? Are teachers ready to do something? I think he said too, did, did you see what West Virginia did? And right. I, I said, essentially, Yes, I, I think teachers are ready to do something. We went back and forth and ultimately ended up um, talking about a Red for Ed Day was, was his idea and said, Can, could you organize your campus to do this? And so the thing that made me reply, I think, was just the, the realization that teachers are fed up and we need more and our students need more and our state deserves more. So it was one of those moments, you know, where I think everybody's thinking the same thing and somebody right. just had to say it. And it was the right place at the right time. And I was I was the person who said it. And uh, we've, we've obviously just been moving forward ever since that, that tweet. So you said that you noticed people were fed up. Did you, when you moved to Arizona, did you, like, notice a big shift, um, like, comparing the two states? Definitely. I think the first thing I noticed was I was offered a job here, and I went on the, the website, the, the school website, to look at the staff and, you know, read about their interests, whatever, see right. who these people were. And I'm like, everybody here is like, 23 or 24 and so I wondered like what is up with that because normally in Illinois you'd have one or two teachers like that like oh in a a high school or a a big junior high or a a K through 8 school like what I teach I mean it'd be like one or two first year teachers and everybody else is a veteran and so that immediately struck me like what is going on here and then I started to learn about all the these different issues with turnover and and how they're trying to you know basically import teachers a lot of young teachers like us and um, 
that that was the first thing that really struck me and, and really showed me like something weird is happening here. Yeah, definitely. I know it's also like that in rural Arizona that most of the teachers are uh, old, old veteran teachers, mm-hmm. um, but Phoenix is definitely hit hard with that younger uh, staff. So let's get into the proposal itself, if that's what you want to call it, from Governor Ducey. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, thoughts? I mean, we've all kind of heard your thoughts, but it, yeah. it, there's a couple of, oh, that's okay, but for the most part, it's it's kind of sketchy. Would you agree? Yeah, it's, I think sketchy is a good word for it. Um, I think everybody needs to be, and I think they are, very cautioned. They're, they're, they're very cautious regarding this thing, and it it's easy to understand why. I mean, there are no details attached to this thing. So the first thing that I think everybody sees is, I mean, we have huge numbers here where we have hundreds of millions of dollars that are being proposed over the course of the next several years. And the first question is, where does that money come from? And we really don't have any answer on that. And we certainly don't have any sort of sustainable funding source for that. So what we essentially have there are empty promises. And that's obviously incredibly concerning because we don't want to be doing this again next year and the year after and the year after and the year after. Absolutely right? not. Uh, I don't have enough red shirts. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. right. So, uh, yeah, I need another 1% site to go buy some more red. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's one of the biggest issues there. And then the other issue is this doesn't do enough for our kids and colleagues. So we're leaving a lot of people out of this proposal. I shouldn't say we. The governor is leaving a lot of people. Right. Um, I, I can't accept this in good faith that he's going to also get this to our reading interventionist and right. our bus drivers and our librarians. So that that's incredibly difficult. And the big piece of Arizona Educators United all along, the demands has been per pupil funding. And that's, that's neglected here. So it doesn't do enough for our kids and colleagues. And, and the funding source isn't sustainable. So it's it's problematic. What would you say to, like, community members who are seeing on the news, like, right. hey, you guys got the, the raise. The, the news has been reporting you want a raise. You got it. Like, what, what would you say to the community members? Yeah, well, the first thing is, you know, this is a list, essentially, of goals at this point. We don't have <laughs> legislation, so it's not done. The second thing is we're talking about a one-time raise at this point. So he found some money down there. That, that at least that's what he says. He essentially found some money under a sofa cushion at the Capitol, and now he's going to give it to teachers. Like. Yeah, and yeah. and so that that doesn't mean that we're going to get this other five percent and five percent. This means that we're getting a one-time raise, and that's it. So I would tell the community members, you know, we put out a list of five demands that we think that we know because we're educators, and we know this will move the needle. This will make Arizona better, and he hasn't met any of them yet. So no, one thing that. I've kind of realized from looking on Twitter and Facebook is that people are wondering, is this kind of meeting in the middle? So I, I guess my opinion or my question for you is, what are your thoughts? Like, is a compromise okay? Or do you feel like all five of those demands need to be hit? Or where, what's your stance on that? Well, you know, I think I, I certainly have my own viewpoints, um, but I really keep them essentially to myself right. because we have what, 42, 45,000 people who need to voice their views on those sorts right. of situations. So in the in the event of an actual negotiation or a compromise or anything, that would be the first thing I would do is, is turn and talk to this group. And I, I know the rest of the, the leadership team would do the same because there's no way that I can I can make that decision for 45,000 people. And, all, and really, not even just the members of our group, but educators across the entire state, everybody would be affected by that. So... Um, I have my own personal views on what would be acceptable and what wouldn't, but the big thing is just hearing the voices of, 
people who are fighting for. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of stuff on the social media pages about how to like incorporate um, rural towns in Arizona's like voices. Do you have any like words of wisdom? Like I'm sure that they're also getting uh, the walkout votes and all that stuff. But other than that, like, do you have any advice for those smaller communities? You know, um, I think I think the biggest thing that's proven to be successful here and in other areas too, especially more um, more uh, populous counties like Maricopa and Pima, is just engaging that community piece. And I think that mm-hmm. works well no matter where you are. And I think that's vital. So that would be a big piece that I would recommend. But um, the thing I'm really interested in more than anything is hearing what they would recommend because it is very different, and they they understand that landscape yeah. much better than I do. I mean, I'm from rural Illinois, which is nothing like rural Arizona. So we've been in contact with some organizers there um, because I'd really love to see them, you know, lay out the next few steps for their individual situations. I think that's where the the power lies is them organizing this. Um, And, you know, of course, alongside us, but that's kind of been the motto of Mm -hmm. this whole thing is what can you do for this? Like, what can you do tomorrow at your school? Right. Absolutely. I agree. No, another thing I noticed was that people were a little frustrated and I get why they were frustrated that we're having a vote on the walkout. (laughs) Would you say that mostly has to do with the fact that Ducey came out with these, um, I guess, the proposal? Yeah, it's two things. So, first of all, yeah, we need a temperature check after this. We need to talk to everybody. We need to have their voices heard on this because this is a huge step. If we walk out of our schools, that's a huge step. We can't just say, you know, this is what we think or this is what people signed up a couple weeks ago and said this is what they wanted to do. That's that's a huge piece of it for us. So that that's the main thing that, that my mind is really on. And also to do something that big, we do need to have a formal a formal vote. We can't just have it be an online petition that anybody can get into. We need in-person paper ballots that are that are secure and verified. And, and that's not just us, but for for the union, for AEA to call strike, they also need that. So we we need to check the temperature here, check everybody's mood and what they're willing to do. And we also need to just formalize this process so that we're doing everything in good faith. So those are some of the biggest pieces. And I, I agree. I, I understand why it's why it's frustrating for a lot of folks. I mean, they're they're ready to do something and they're ready to do that. A lot of people are ready to walk yeah. out of their, their classes tomorrow. And so we just need to formalize it and make sure we're all on the same page here. But I, I understand the frustrations, especially trying to act within the legislative session, which I know is a goal of a lot of people because um, strategically it makes a lot of sense. So what I would love to do is just kind of hijack this interview and just hear wow. your guys' thoughts on, you know, what's worked, what hasn't worked, what's your experience been like? Um, What's the atmosphere like on your campus? All these, all these different, these different things. So yeah, I guess just Aaron, like, what's your general experience been like so far these last couple weeks? I think that it, my general experience has been like kind of crazy. Obviously, not as crazy as Noah's, but but there's like a lot to get done at every each and every um, site. So I think that the more like we're getting done, or the more we're involved, the more like accomplished I feel, which is. It's nice to feel like you're part of a movement. I think that's really what's driving, like, me to be part of this. You know what's been the best part for me is losing that awkwardness and that fear of having the conversation. Now I'm kind of just be like, hey, what do you feel about Red for Red? Or, hey, uh, you know, what's your opinion on this? Because, honestly, for me, at first, it was it's it's definitely, like, an awkward way to start a conversation. Yeah. Hey, you want to walk? Well, you shouldn't start by, hey, you want to walk? <laughs> no. Hey, do you want to leave? No, you got to take it from Nick. Hey, what do you know about Red for Red? Right, yeah. So it's kind of just, it's been, 
it's been neat to see myself and Aaron and our friend Kira kind of take that role at our school where we're not afraid to have the discussions that are tough to have. Mm-hmm. And we're not afraid to represent our school because we both, all three of us just became members of AEA. Um, we, we aren't afraid to communicate with admin. Um, that goes principal and above. Mm-hmm. And everybody already knows how annoying Jay is about this movement. So you know. Yeah, right. So <laughs> when they see me, they're just like, oh, crap. <laughs> he's in his red shirt. He's in his red shirt. He won't shut up. No, but it's like, oh, it's shut up, Aaron. <laughs> All kidding aside, it's, it's, been, it's been fun. I mean, yes. that's a weird way to put it because we're fighting for, right. you know, better pay, better funding, better this, better that. But it's fun. It's it's uh-huh. engaging because we're fighting for our kids. Yeah. That's for me what makes it the best is that you know take away Twitter, take away this, take away that. You know, I walked into our social studies classroom the other day. The the textbooks are ripped up. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of um, male reproductive organs floating around those books. I'm sorry, <laughs> I saw those books yesterday. None of them have covers. No, they don't have covers. They're a mess, and it's just it's unbelievable. You know, yeah. one of the desks in that social studies class, <laughs> the top fell off. You know, and it's just, it's just, it just doesn't make sense. All this stuff that we're doing, we're busting our butts every single yeah. day yeah. to try to make life better for our kids. And I know that I can't speak for people that teach in non-Title I schools, but for us, they they need us. Mm-hmm. And they need the school. They need the they, yeah, not yeah. us. They need the school. And yeah. without the school, they're school dependent. Yeah, every time they go into school, it's potentially their only chance for a warm meal, uh, for air conditioning if it's the summer. You know, it's it's rough. Is it the same thing at your school too? Yeah, it, it's similar. I teach in a Title I school. It, it probably has similar demographics. It's on the southwest side of town here. Um, and and that, those are the communities that really they need incredible educators, and they need fully funded schools. So that, that's one of the things that really constantly motivates me is, is seeing these kids, and it's like, we got to do better by the kids. My kids don't deserve 48th in the nation per people spending. They don't deserve 30-plus class sizes because we can't keep teachers in the room um we have to do better by our kids and so that that's a constant motivator for me uh something that's been brought up to me a couple times by various members of this movement is the idea that instead of um or i guess to enhance our demands is there like the possibility of getting like a proposal on the table or a prop out there to on the ballot yeah yeah you know i think it's certainly Possible. I think a lot of it depends on what happens in these next. I mean, now we're down to a week or two potentially in this legislative session and yeah. and budget session. So it depends a lot on what we see there. Um, but I think it's certainly a possibility. And the thing with a ballot proposition, I don't want to discourage anybody who's considering one to, to not do it. Is it just takes a lot of work. We would yeah, need two thousand plus signatures by July, I think fifth. Um, which is a substantial. lot of people out there it's with a lot. their clipboards. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, it's a powerful thing to do, though. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a way where if we're not going to have the legislature or the governor move on this thing, you know, we, we take it into our own hands. And I'm not, I'm not saying we're going to do that or we won't do that, but it's, uh, as you put it, a possibility for sure. So, Noah, I know, like, a lot of people have questions about the voting coming up, the walkout voting. And so, like, with that, a lot of people have said, then why are we walking in Monday? And so I'm kind of curious what – or, sorry, Wednesday, not Monday, (laughs) Wednesday. So I'm kind of curious 
like what you think, like why is it still important that we're walking, doing walk-ins? Well, we got to keep building community solidarity. It's a huge piece. And what we saw last week was over 100,000 people participate in that. And that's, yeah. that's a bold statement. I don't think you see Ducey come out with the proposal that he did if we don't do that. I mean, that, that's huge. So that, that tells me that that piece is, is effective and it's powerful. So I think it's important to continue to build that because there are more than 100,000 people who live in the state. And I think we keep building and we build and build and build until every single person in every single corner of the state has a red for red sign just like I do on my front window and they're participating in their walk-ins and they fully bought into this movement because personally, course i have a bias in this as a teacher i'm one right. of the leaders in this but um th this is for teachers this is for educators this is for parents students the future of arizona and, and for me kids in the future of arizona is not bipartisan it's not a yes vote or a no vote it's if you support children in the future of arizona you support this movement so i see no reason for people to not get behind it so i, I think we continue to build community solidarity I was happy this weekend I drove up to Northern Arizona because that's where I'm from and the number of cars I passed with Red for Red like mm -hmm. tagged on their car somewhere was like actually impressive like everybody I passed I'd like wave at them or <laughs> give them a giant thumbs up or whatever but it was giant like, thumbs a up. giant thumbs <laughs> up that means like, like three fingers <laughs> foam finger thumbs up <laughs> yeah but it was just cool that I passed like more than just me on yeah the it's incredible it's incredible I mean to, to drive around and, and see that sort of thing and it's you know not just within a mile radius of my school or, or your yeah. school or so anybody's school it's like you're just driving down the 10 you're driving up the 17 to go exactly. up north and here's all the support for this movement and before that i mean what sort of visual support do we have for public schools or really any sort of movement like this um it, it really puts it in perspective to be driving down the road and here's a taco shop with red for ed in the window i mean they're supporting this movement and that's that's incredibly powerful and i think not just for educators and education but just for general in arizona and across the nation that, that's tremendously exciting the last thing i wanted to go over and this is we can kind of open this up to all three of us is yeah. what has been your most memorable moment so far in the whole red for ed movement it doesn't necessarily need to be inspiring it could be funny it could be you know upset whatever it is what what for you guys has been the most memorable moment. I think the most memorable moment for me was actually the first thing I did for Red for Ed was the the first protest the protest I guess at the KTAR uh, building. And I just like when I got home that day, I was like elated. I was like so stoked and like ready to fight. And I that's like my favorite moment cuz I would like it was the first thing I did and I I was just I don't know crazy excited after that. Well, I remember you telling, because I couldn't make it for whatever yeah. reason. I remember you saying there weren't that many people there, but they were all super energized. Yeah. And it was just like, it was just an exciting event. It was like, holy cow, like this is happening. Like 200 teachers or whatever it was showed up at that event. And it was like, whoa, like we, these people are actually getting things done. So it was just really exciting to come home. I felt like a true American, like I had done something democratic. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what about you now? You know, my, I, it's hard for me to pick just one. I think the overall the most powerful thing for me personally and the thing that I'm most proud of is the, the way teachers have been able to find a voice 
and to share their stories and to talk openly and, you know, shed sort of the martyrdom that I think is part of teaching, especially teaching in Arizona, and to just stand up for themselves and share their stories and also have those stories affirmed and acknowledged. That, that's the piece that I think has been the most exciting for me is to just see teachers have a voice and to be empowered. That, that first day for me, that March 7th when we did the first Red for Ed Day, it was just like, I had never felt so empowered before in my life. Like, you walk through the halls and everybody's in red. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, I got your back. Like, I'm with you. And I had never felt that before. And, like, just there was an energy in the hallway of just, like, we're doing this. Like, we're ready to fight. And we deserve better. And our kids deserve better. And just, just that feeling of empowerment. And so whether it's red shirts on the same day or whether it's uh, sharing your story and having it affirmed and, you know, shared with AJ Plus or New York Times – those are the moments that I'm the most proud of, and, and it's just, it's electrifying, and it's just empowering, and you feel vindicated for the first time in a long time, and that's that's incredible. Yeah. Definitely. And I think, like, on that note, the more, like, events that you are able to go to, the right. more empowered, as Noah said, you feel. Like, if you're sitting out on your couch and reading the Facebook page, it's awesome. You're staying updated. You're listening to us. You're staying updated. That's awesome. You should definitely listen to us. But, like, when you actually get out there, that's when you, like, feel that momentum yeah. again, which Agreed. is the best part. Agreed. And, and that, that's that's what I think the, you know, unofficial slogan of this whole movement is, is it's what can you do? What can you do at your school tomorrow to fight for your kids and to fight for your colleagues and, and your right to a livelihood in this career path? And... That, that's how this all started. Somebody asked me, what can you do? And that, that's the question that I keep kicking back to other people. What can you do? What can you do? And so, yeah, coming to, uh, to an event or organizing your campus or pitching an idea or just starting it. Like one of the most powerful things I've seen are the, are the grade-ins. And those were organized independently of us because we have so much going on. We just said, do it. Like we love it. We can't run with it right now because we're just tied up with a thousand different things like this vote going on. Um, but do it. And that's, that's one of the most powerful things is just asking yourself, what can you do in this moment to advance this cause? And, and I agree with what you were saying, Jay, where if we stop it, that, that's how we get into this position. They dismantle everything on us and they, they pull the funding and we start operating with $1.1 billion in deficit every year and we start to lose um, our right to a livelihood and our kids lose textbooks and paper towels and we got to keep up the fight right now and no matter what happens, win or lose, if we meet all five demands tomorrow, then we just keep working and we stay vigilant and we stay organized because we, we can't let our guard down right now and we, we can't let the fight up. Couldn't have said it better once again. Yeah, you just, man, you're getting good at this, huh? <laughs> getting some reps in. Yeah. On, on that note, um, you know, I still haven't gotten any emails from any of our listeners. There's 700 of you out there. Tell us about your favorite moments of the moments of the movement. Email us. Our email is redforedpodcast at gmail.com. There's no hashtag in that. But just send us, like, shoot us a quick email. My favorite moment was. We want to hear from you guys. We'll read them next time. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll have Noah's girlfriend's cat come in and <laughs> read them to you guys if you, you want. You can have that cat if you want. <laughs> that cat is yours. But just a quick uh, Twitter update. So my handle's at J-A-Y-A-Z-C-T. I should probably fix that. Too late. I know. That's my Twitter handle. Just just go to it. Um, um, my Twitter handle is at Aaron, a teacher. 
Oh, we're doing mine too. Oh, okay. I thought we were doing yours. You okay, mine's uh, at capital N O A H underscore Carvelis with another capital K A R V E L I S. So yeah, he me. doesn't need any more followers. No, <laughs> everyone that doesn't follow him, just don't. Just follow <laughs> us. <laughs> Aaron has like thirty. It's it's. Hey, I started. I got a Twitter what two weeks ago. Yeah. I say that was pretty good numbers. But yeah, no, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate my, it. Uh, my pleasure. This is power fun. on, right? Yeah, uh, power on for yeah. sure. All right. So, yeah, that's about it for today. We're going to be recording again probably on Friday. Yep. Uh, We have a special guest that we're not going to announce yet because we want to make sure that we get it. Yes. But this person is a pretty big deal. You know Jay's all about those teasers, so that's your your tease for Friday. We're looking forward to it, though. But, um, Aaron, anything else you want to say to wrap it all up? I just want to say to remind people to keep going out there and keep fighting because it's not over yet. Kira, anything you want to say? I agree with that. Oh. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah, so just fight on and, like I always say, in solidarity and... See you guys at the baseball game.